And um, if you could uh, turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, and we'll be reading verse 15. Philippians 1, verse 15, says this. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of good will. Another translation says it this way. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from good will. It seems as though Paul had um, some opposition, two oppositions in particular, as he was writing this passage or this uh, particular verse, both from without and from within. The first one was antagonism, without, um, which came from the Roman authorities. And then the second one was animosity from within, that came from the church. And this is funny because this is the same church that Paul said their faith was spoken of throughout the, the world at that particular time. But there was an um, animosity coming from it. So beginning from verse 15 and running through to verse 17, Paul lists incentives for preaching the gospel. Their message was the same, thank God, but their motive was different. Paul was worried. As he wrote this, he was worried about uh, what was happening outside the prison. He was worried what was going on within the Christians at that time in Rome. It is here we see the extreme ugliness of sin in the human heart. Our own wickedness can overtake something as precious as preaching the gospel and twist it around so that the very preaching of salvation becomes an occasion of envy and rivalry. How, how ugly, how ugly the human heart can become and how low, how low sinners can sink, even redeemed sinners, how low we can sink. It is a terrible thing that the gospel should be preached out of envy. But it sometimes happens. So Paul begins this uh, verse saying, Some indeed preach Christ. See, they all preached Christ. They were not preaching about Moses and not preaching about Abraham. They weren't preaching about some great prophet who came before. They were preaching Christ. And this actually made Paul happy. They were not uh, heretics like those in Corinth whom Paul severely denounced, nor were they Judaizers like those in Galatia who preached another gospel. They were outstanding men of God, third-rate preachers who, out of sheer jealousy and enmity, took advantage of Paul's imprisonment to draw attention to themselves. So Paul, at this stage, he was, as he starts this verse, he says, uh, some some um, indeed preach Christ. And he's happy about that. He's happy that they actually are preaching Christ. And then he goes on to say, even from envy and strife. 
envy and strife. What a blend of um, motives with which to preach. Envy and strife. The word from in this uh, passage means because or of. So the way to read this passage of scripture is some indeed preach Christ because of envy and strife. See, the message was acceptable, but the motive was something else. Along this journey that we've been going through in this uh, particular passage of Scripture, we have tried to dig and and focus on Paul's attitude um, and how his attitude was different. A man who was thrown into prison because of something that was noble, was doing something noble, preaching the gospel, thrown into prison, and his attitude remained constant. He was encouraging those who were free whilst he was in in, uh, shackles. Now, at this, at verse 15, we move, we continue with uh, looking at his um, uh, attitude, but now we see that he addresses the the people, the church at large, and he addresses their motives. Now, as he says, some indeed preach Christ because of envy and strife, one has to wonder what would make preachers, someone, us, preach or even do good deeds from a place of envy and strife. Those are negative words that you're doing good from a place of a negative motive, a, a, a negative feeling, something, something is, what could cause that to be the case? I mean, after all, preaching is a particular noble task. Doing good is a noble thing. Us as Christians are called to do good to one another. But how can I do good towards you out of a place of envy and a place of strife? Well, I suppose the thing we need to ask at this point is, what is envy and what is strife? See, envy is the feeling of disapproval by hearing the successes of others. This term is always used in the negative or evil sense in the New Testament. Some preachers in Rome, at that stage, resented Paul. They resented his success in ministry. See, it takes maturity to rejoice in the success of others. It takes maturity for you and I to rejoice when we see others who are somewhat more successful than we are. Immaturity constantly compares self with others. Juvenile Christians are intimidated by the accomplishments of others. Now this is true in all aspects of life. Um, You would think of the business world. How we are so intimidated by the successes of those who have are more successful than we are in the business world. In the sports arena, you can imagine how much people just um, are jealous. We, we envy those who are better runners, you know, Kenyan runners, Ethiopian runners, whatever. So those who are just better than us, we envy those people. We... Um, 
not we don't necessarily celebrate their successes you think of the employee world ah man he is a manager he's a junior manager this and and we we compare and if you're junior this we don't necessarily celebrate the fact that your manager is higher than you we don't envy is there we generally uh don't celebrate where people have achieved more than what we have we don't celebrate their successes because they have more than what we have and in the in that um situation the potential for envy is alive the potential for envy is there you see envy not only means to desire to have what someone else has but to seek to deprive another person of what they have so I've, you've achieved all these things and because I'm envious of you I seek to deprive um giving you not glory but celebrating with you for what you've achieved I want to take it away from me oh you've done that you've done well with it well I can let me show you someone else has done better than you um actually maybe you should do it this way so you can reach further you've gone this much let me help you to maybe get to a place you can go further instead of me saying hey well done you have achieved that you have worked hard this has happened you've trained hard you have ra- run well let me celebrate with you in fact i want to pull her and say uh yeah you you no no you need to ha- work harder because you've done that but there's more to be done there's more to be done in other words in some way envy aims to diminish the accomplishments of others envy doesn't help us doesn't encourage us to celebrate each other's successes envy actually encourages us to take away from what you have achieved from what you have um uh, trained to accomplish i mean the classic um example of this is we in a church uh, setting and um So this is a church in this area maybe there's another church around the corner or and, and the word would be said of this ah uh, you know God has you know God has blessed the other church significantly in terms of growth and then our church would be like you know you know all these all that church does and all they're concerned about is numbers numbers rather than saying man praise god that he has added to the church or added to those people and he's doing a mighty work there praise god may he get the glory as he does what he wants to do with us praise him and and hopefully the, that church and other people around us can celebrate with us rather than looking down on us or us looking down on them and trying to diminish what god has done and what they've achieved envy does that see envy never builds up it always lessens the person who exercises it envy is rottenness to the bones as proverbs 14:30 says envy will rot the core of a person envy is not a good thing envy is um something that eats away at us 
eats away at us. But it's hard for us human beings, us who are the redeemed Christians, and those who are not redeemed as well, it's hard for us to celebrate. It's hard for me to celebrate your success in my own, because I'm selfish. We are selfish. We want the best for me. We want the best for ourselves. Instead of doing that, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we need to be asking Him to help us to celebrate. So, um, Heinrich has uh, got this multi-billion rand project that he's busy with. And he comes in and he says, Man, you know, I'm trusting, I've been told this is going to happen. We need to put this, test, uh, this machine into um, some test. Uh, and our human nature doesn't actually acknowledge the fact that God has allowed him to have the brains to get to their place. My human nature is saying, hmm, he's got two days grace. It's a billion rand project. I'm in the thousand rand trying to make things work. Actually, I'm not going to celebrate that. Two days grace, let him come back and we'll pray for him to, to, to get this thing going. Rather than saying, Heinrich, man, that is wonderful. I thank God that he's allowed you to be where you're at. I thank God that this project is taking place. Let me pray for you so that it uh, turns out according to his will, so that the gospel can advance in that situation. So that the gospel can advance in that situation. But envy comes and says, no, no, uh, actually, no, no, you mustn't, have, you mustn't be successful in that, in that situation. Uh, you, you know, you don't need the billion rand. I'm battling with a thousand rand. Why would you get the, the billion rand? Uh, no, no. Actually, the word of God says we are to encourage one another. We are to come alongside each other. I am to celebrate in your successes. When you are um, downward or when you are hurting, we are all hurting. When there's a victory with a home affairs, man, it's not just you. It's all of us. We celebrate with you. Rather than, yeah, the opposite. See, there's a result or consequence that always comes when people feel diminished. When people always feel envious by the successes of others. And that result or consequence is called strife. Now, what is strife? Strife is an expression of hostility. Uh, these two evils are stitched together in James 3 verse 16 where it says, For where envy and self-seeking or strife exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. Confusion and every evil thing is there. See, people try to outdo and block each other where there is envy in motivation. And sadly, churches are often neutralized because of this deadly combination. Think of a church full of people threatened by everybody else. Think of us as a church. We, full of, we are threatened by each other. We are threatened by each other because of what we can bring to the, to the table, because of what God has done for us, what he's given us. And in an area where that's the reality, strife is inevitable. And this is why we need to continually 
ask God to help us remain content in who he has made us to be. Because we are all different. We are all different by God's design. By God's design. Now, some of us are strong and buff. Some of others are not as strong as buff. We are all different. We are all different. But we are all different by God's design. He made you the way you are. The, the way you, are. you didn't choose that. He did. And if that's the case, then guess what? It makes it okay. It makes it okay. Remember what scripture says in, about the body in, in um, Corinthians. The eye cannot say to the nose, hey man, I don't need you. I don't need you. So we can't say to each other, we don't need, we don't need each other. I don't need you with your high level managerial execution ways. Uh, no, no. We need each other. Every part is needed for the body to function the way it's meant to function. Every part. Whether you're the toe, the little pinky toe that we don't really see, we don't take note of, or you are the head, the eye, the nose, where you're visible. We all need each other. And rather than, you know, kind of uh, tuning each other because we are different, let's rather celebrate our differences. Let's celebrate our differences. And in our celebration, let's continue to ask God to help us remain content and help us to, to, to realize that He has called us into different uh, areas, different arenas, different situations. And can we ask Him to help us to um, spread His gospel in those areas, to see where the need for the gospel is to be spread? And it's a hard thing. Up until this um, point in um, this verse, some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife. There are three things that we ought to take note of. The first, which is a, um, it's a interesting thing to, to just take note of, and this thing is Paul's celebration of the gospel truth that overrides his sorrow at defective motives. See, Paul knew some preachers in the Roman world were preaching out of uh, wrong, with the wrong motives. He knew that. He's in prison. He knows they're preaching the, the gospel, but their motives are wrong. Paul doesn't start tuning them because your, your motive is wrong. He actually rejoiced that the gospel was being preached. He rejoiced that Jesus Christ was being proclaimed. What an attitude. What an attitude. As a man of God, he's bound and he is hearing all sorts of things that are happening in the, uh, the free world out there. And instead of him lambasting people and saying, hey, hey, no, no, he's excited at the fact that these guys who have the wrong motives are actually preaching and Jesus Christ is being proclaimed in the open world out there. What an attitude. What an attitude. The second thing to note is that um, the sinful behavior 
that these preachers were um, had through their motives is the very opposite of what the gospel itself would encourage each and every single person to act like. So in actual fact, they are hypocrites. They preach the gospel, which is the truth, and then contradict it in their very motives, the very gospel that they are preaching. It's like me saying, hey, you have to love one another. The gospel says we, must to, we have to love each other. But then I contradicted by not loving us. The third thing to note, which is pretty amazing, is that in Galatians, Paul calls down a curse on bad preaching. In Galatians, Paul calls, uh, this is what he says in Galatians 1.8. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached, let him be accursed. This is in Galatians. He doesn't do that now in, in Philippians. Uh, he, Galatians says, if you preach the wrong gospel, man, let fire fall upon you. In Philippians, he doesn't say, he's actually now celebrating that these people are preaching. What was the difference? The difference in celebration in Philippians and cursing in Galatians. The difference is that there was no evidence that in, in Philippians that the hypocritical preachers were saying false things when they were preaching the gospel. That's the difference. They preach the true gospel. But the preachers in, Galatian, in Galatians were distorting the gospel. In other words, Paul was more agitated and angry when the gospel itself is defective than he was when the people who preached the true gospel were defective. Interesting way of looking at it. So you look at me with my uh, bad mo motives, but I'm preaching the true gospel. You celebrate the fact that the, the God is being proclaimed. Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. But as soon as I come and preach, the, uh, change the gospel and start to distort it, so you should be angry because that's not the truth. <laughs> so much so that you will call fire from heaven to come and burn me. Interesting. Then he finishes off this verse by saying, and some also from good will. It starts off by saying, some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife. And then he finishes off by saying, and some also from good will. Good will means a kind purpose. Thank God that some in the church in Rome had a good motive, regardless. Paul was thankful for that. The word here, um, uh, the word from in this last part also means because of. So some also, or some because of, preached the gospel from a place of having a good heart, having a good purpose, having a kind purpose. Having the desire to see 
this gospel move forward. These people did not have a twisted sense of ill will at Paul's achievement. A short verse, but one that addresses our motives. One that asks the question, yes, you're preaching, you're doing a good, noble deed, task. But what is your motive for doing what you're doing? The clear implication, oh sorry, the clear application from this text for all of us in ministry. And remember, we are all in ministry one way or another. Is to check our motives. Why do we do what we do? In our daily lives. Why do you, Kath and I, why, why do we do this? Why do, why do we, why do we, why are we here? Why are you guys here? What, why do you do what you do? What is the motive behind what you do? Check them now. For they will be checked later. I'll close with these couple of questions that I'll leave with you. Are immature motivations, motivations distorting your soul and keeping you from being what God wants you to be? Is your motivation to gain approval or praise from others? As your motivation to gain approval and commendation from the one true, the one who's given you life. No, we speak about the word speaks about uh, we are to do the things that we do for an audience of one. Audience of one. What is your motivation for doing what you do? In your businesses, What's your motivation? In your friendship circles, what's your motivation? The way we raise our kids, what is our motivation? In your family, what is your motivation? In your marriage, in our marriages, what is our motivation? What is our motivation in everything? That we do. Remember we are a redeemed people. We have Christ. Who had died and rose again for us. So what is our motivation? Father I thank you for your holy word. And I know God that it is only you. Who can look the depth of our hearts. And show us what our motivation is for the things that we do. And we ask by your grace that you'd reveal those things that are not pleasing to you. And that you would forgive us for those motivations that are wrong. And then you'd help us, Father, to do things out of a motivation that brings glory to you, King Jesus.
We are thankful for this life. We're thankful, Lord, for the things that you've given us, our very talents, our very gifts, God, our very businesses, our very families, God, our very uh, relationships. We are thankful for all these things. But God, help us to live this life in a way that brings glory to you. And in every situation, God, we might not be like these preachers who are preaching the good, doing the good work, but out of a place of envy and strife. We don't want envy, we don't want strife. Lord, help us to celebrate each other's victories. Each other's victories, God. In a way that brings glory to you. And as we do that, Lord, help show us where we can, your, your gospel can advance in the situations that we, are, we find ourselves in. In Jesus' mighty and strong name I pray. Amen.